Hello, and welcome to the Energy Observatory podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Gonzato, and in this podcast, I'll be interviewing researchers from KU Leuven's Energy Systems Integration and Modeling Group and the Vleric Energy Institute to talk about their research and the policy discussions surrounding them. We're academics, so we hate being wrong. If you think we did get something wrong, then please send an email to sebastian.gonzato at kluven.be and we'll include your comment on an errata that will accompany each episode on our website. Hello everyone, I'm here with Ellen Beckstede, who is a PhD student both the Valeric Business School and the KU Leuven. Thank you Ellen for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about my topic, so cool. we'll see. Good, that's the energy we need. <laughs> so you're going to talk to us about your research, which is on uh, DSOs and flexibility markets. And I would like to start by asking you to just briefly explain what TSOs are and what DSOs are. So TSOs and DSOs, maybe it's easier to start just uh, with the abbreviation. So TSO is a transmission system operator and the DSO is a distribution system operator. So the TSO is the one operating the high voltage electricity network. So it's really the, the big towers with the big electricity cables you see in, in the fields when walking around. And these cables are also connected to different countries in Europe. And then from this high voltage network, the distribution network is connected. So there's where, where the DSO comes in. Um, and this is actually the medium and low to- voltage uh, network. So these are the cables that transport your energy from these high voltage ne- networks, uh, more to villages, uh, streets, up to your house. And what do you mean by flexibility? A lot of people mean different things in electricity systems. So when you talk about flexibility... Maybe easiest to, to give you an example. So... Um, maybe some of you know it. It's the day uh, know it as a day-night tariff. So the day-night tariff was something that was in Belgium, but also in other uh, tariff, and it was uh, in other countries. And what it was is that you had a different electricity price during the day than during the night. And what does it cause you? That, um, for example, you at home, you won't put on your washing machine during the day because it's more expensive than putting putting it on during the night. And in this way, through Judith's uh, price signal or incentive, you will switch or move your consumption from a site, uh, from a moment that's very busy in the, in the network to a moment where it's less busy in the electricity network. So there you talked about really individual consumers, like people like me and you, but you know, even our parents or people who know nothing about electricity markets, is it really reasonable to expect them to take time of the, their busy lives to start thinking, oh, I need to be flexible in my electricity consumption? I think, um, first of all, luckily you won't have to do it yourself. You'll often have the possibility to go to a company that will do it for you. And at this moment, that is really more still ongoing, ongoing research. The real flexibility that is provided these days, it's more, for example, a wind power plant that is being uh, shut down for a certain hour because there's too much production in the electricity system, 
or a big industrial plant that has, for example, a big cooling process and it can lower its consumption by two degrees uh, for, uh, for a certain amount of time. And how exactly do you measure flexibility? If you um, provide flexibility by not consuming energy, like you're actually being paid for doing so, not doing something, so how then do you measure it? And here uh, we see a lot of research uh, on what we call having a baseline. So, for example, for you at, at home, there will be made an estimation of, on how much you normally consume during the day. And then they will measure in real time what you really consumed. And then the difference between those two, um, if there is a difference, uh, can be the flexibility that you provided. What would you use flexibility for? Okay, so the flexibility that I'm looking at specifically is, uh, is flexibility used by the DSO and this comes actually from recent development in the electricity system. So we are seeing that now already, but also in the coming years, a lot of new technologies such as electric vehicles, heat pumps um, and uh, uh, solar panels are connected to houses, but also in general more renewable energy will be there. Um, but it could be that, uh, that the distribution cables that are currently in your street are not sufficient enough to provide enough energy if you all uh, charge your electric vehicle at the same time. So instead of investing up to this moment where everyone can charge at the same time, you might think of an alternative like flexibility to give some incentives to people to charge not all at the same time and some investment savings can be made. What we just discussed is the planning side, so you defer some investments from some years, but this might also be forever. Um, and then you also have the operation side, so it's more in uh, daily operation of the distribution network that there is, for example, an incident or a day with a lot of uh, wind and solar, and that there's really an expected event that has to be that you won't design your electricity system for, but you still have to make sure that everyone, that the grid is uh, securely operated at the moment. So there you can use it for. And another uh, use case we also see is maintenance. So for example, you want to work for two, three days on your network, then you can use flexibility as a way to do this work without shutting down customers, for example. And your research is specifically on flexibility markets. Who is setting up these markets? Who is buying what from whom? Here in this um, market, this flexibility market, the buyer is really the DSO. So the DSO will need in its network a certain amount of flexibility at a certain time, at a certain location. And this information becomes available. And then people at that information can start thinking, okay, maybe I can provide this flexibility. Uh, for example, uh, you can say at home, okay, I can, I'm comfortable with my clothes, I can <laughs> put on the washing machine only tomorrow, um, and, but, you can, but you can then say, okay, I'll do it for 50 euros. And then other people in your street or your area will also place uh, kind of these offers. From all these people selling their flexibility, the most cost optimal, but also the most effective bid will then be selected to provide flexibility for the DSO. 
And so what trends are we seeing right now in Europe in terms of flexibility markets? Who's doing what? Here it's often important to mention that flexibility markets is really a recent topic that's going, that's evolving quickly and a lot of innovative things are happening. So we see three different trends. So first of all, we have commercial players that are just doing it uh, and are going and are going for it, and they're actually doing it in practice. So um, there are four players, we like to call them project pioneers, uh, that they are. So we have Gopax in the Netherlands, Enera in Germany, Nodes uh, in the north, so in Norway, and um, then finally we have Picloflex in the UK. Then the second trend um, we see is DSOs doing it de themselves. So from analyzing where they need flexibility to setting, setting up the market, to con doing the contracts and the settlement in, in the end. And here, one of the biggest examples is Enedis in, uh, in, in France. But also Enel, for example, in, in Italy is now starting with it. And they're really setting up markets then? Or are they just bilaterally contracting people? I think it's always an evolution. So you start in the beginning with having testing it out a little bit with a tender and having um, more bilateral contracts. But I think in the coming years, they will all evolve to some kind of, kind of, of market mechanism. Yeah, the third trend are uh, European projects. So it's uh, under the name of Horizon 2020 projects that are really doing testing out innovative ideas for these flexibility markets and also expanding the geographical scope and involving all European DSOs and countries to be involved in this, in this project. And I'm happy to be one of the projects uh, myself as well. It's called um, Universal, and there we really have uh, three demos, in uh, one in Portugal, Poland and Germany, that are testing out these markets in, in, in their distribution network. In the uh, Polish demo we have, it's really a whole, um, how do you say it, area of streets that all have um, PV on their houses. So uh, th that area therefore is specifically targeted to test out um, these flexibility uh, solutions. If there's too much PV, then how you can solve it is to install a specific inverter that can reduce the PV output, but then it won't be the customer that goes to the device and set it lower but it will be the aggregator that controls all of the devices and puts everyone a little bit lower to have the desired effect in the end. Okay. So you started off by talking, when talking about flexibility, you talked about individual consumers. I imagine that there are privacy issues related to that because at the end of the day, we're talking about monitoring individuals' electricity consumptions and you can probably learn a lot from that. What privacy issues have you come across and um, how is this being dealt with uh, both on a research level and also in practice level? Yes, it's, it's really an important discussion because at one side you need both the measurement of the people in the network to know what's ongoing, but on the other side you have the privacy that has to be protected. And um, I think the European Commission is doing a really good job in protecting consumers here. Are you referring to GDPR, by the way? Or is this different? Uh, I think it's part of okay. GDPR, yes. Yeah. 
So for example, if your meter is installed at your if a smart meter is installed in your home, you still have to give uh, a permission. Um, not that your data is being measured, but that it's being used. Yeah, that it's being used for other purposes. Even getting the consent from the people with the device, that's often the easiest part. What's more difficult is that you will measure the network, but then actually you're using data of other people because you are measuring the network, but they haven't given consent for it. Like, okay. That's also a whole different discussion. That's meter data, but you also have like the HEMS. It's called like um, House Energy Management System. So sometimes the aggregator cannot only know what's happening inside the like at the house connection point, but also inside the house. Maybe that's a, also an interesting discussion. Like what meter data you need is really dependent on what is available and what you want to do with it. So it's not um, like we had a discussion in the project um, a few weeks weeks ago. Sometimes it's not always better to have it really specifically measured because if there's a little bit of mistakes on every every measurement, then it can give big problems. While you look at it in a more aggregated way, you have more security that the overall trend will be good. Yeah, you get filter out noise, basically. Yes, yes. So you you mentioned before we started recording that there's a lot of variety in how these flexibility markets set up. Could you elaborate on that and why is there so much variety also? Yes. So I think one of the main reasons behind, behind the fact that we see different uh, evolutions in flexibility markets is actually the an, an open design issue from you want to create a new market, but like how does it integrate with the existing markets that are already there? And here there are several possibilities. So, for example, you can really have the DSO flexibility market separately. That's what we are looking at at Universal. But uh, another example is that you could integrate it more with the wholesale market and the intraday market that is already there. I think the of the the project in the Netherlands is a good example of that. And then there's also ways to integrate this flexibility market with other markets from the D, uh, from the TSO. So, for example, the redispatching and the balancing markets. And there are also different projects uh, working on that. Yeah. What are the advantages of having a local DSO flexibility market versus, say, integrating it in the balancing? There are a lot of pros and cons for for the different setups. That's why they're all being still um, examined and there hasn't picked like a best practice yet. Um, but what is interesting to mention here that there's often like a trade-off between how like at the one side you need to go have a local market because the issue of the DSO is very specific and very local. So you need to have this information to be able to solve the issue. But the risk is then if you're going such detailed is that there are often not a lot of providers for this flexibility. So you might have too little competition. And therefore, the um, integrating it with other markets can be a solution because then you have a, a more general market with a, a lot of bidders which you give a locational tag and therefore the best uh, one flexibility bid can be selected. Thank you very much, Ellen, for 
coming up and explaining flexibility markets to us. Yeah, you're welcome. I think the flexibility markets field, it's, it's a lot of innovation. There are a lot of open issues, but there are also a lot of enthusiastic people that trying to solve the issues and go for it. So, yeah, I think it's a really uh, interesting field to be in. Um, and I, yeah, I'm inspired by it every day, so I hope some of the listeners will uh, be inspired by it too. Yeah, if you've been inspired, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.